2020 has been quite a hectic year, and I don't think I'm speaking for myself, I'm speaking for many of us. From the Australian wildfires, to the death of Kobe Bryant and daughter Gianna, to the Pentagon announcing that aliens exist, to the Black Lives Matter movement, and to the COVID-19 pandemic. It's taken a toll on all our mental health, not just Americans. But one thing is we've all been able to use nature as a getaway. It's allowed us to heal just a little bit. If you were to jump into your car right now and travel 40 miles north of San Diego, you could end up in Escondido, California, a small city in the suburbs of Southern California. Within Escondido, you can find yourself at Dixon Lake. This dam was created in 1971 as a sequel to the Water Shortage Act to prepare for any droughts, which is crucial in Southern California. Dixon Lake quickly became popular within the county, from hiking trails, picnic shelters, concession stands, and most popular fishing. This 80 feet deep lake seems to draw in quite a crowd. But what this small reservoir is really known for is having the biggest largemouth bass in the world. up, in this dry chaparral, you can find anything from Cooper's Hawk, Downy Woodpeckers, Black Phoebes, American Robins, Goldfinches, Black Chin Hummingbirds, and if you head over to the water, you can catch yourself finding catfish, bass, trout, panfish, and more. To get to Dixon Lake, you're going to want to go to Daly Ranch. From there, your only option is to turn right, where you'll discover Dixon Lake Recreational Center. The roads inside of the park are windy, so make sure you drive safe. If you follow it straight through, you'll get to the campgrounds, but it's hard to miss the lake. When you get to the lake, you can continue on straight to the dock or follow along the right side where you can find a place to put your hammock or have a picnic. And if you're hungry, you can follow the dock to the concession stand. If you're lucky, there won't be a lot of people, but usually there tends to be people out on the water fishing or feeding the ducks. My favorite activity of all is getting lost in the park. Not really knowing where I'm going, but just following a random trail. I usually bring a hammock 
and a notebook to write. The best is when the sun is setting and you put a hammock between two trees. You can feel the sunlight hitting your cheekbones through the leaves where it barely hits you. If you decide to rent a boat, make sure you bring someone who knows how to paddle. And if you stay late, make sure you bring a towel in case the sprinklers go off while you're walking through the grass. So whether you're at Dixon Lake in Escondido, California, or in Santa Cruz, being outdoors has been one of the best coping mechanisms. Tucked away in the heart of downtown Santa Cruz is a haven for wildlife. Though it may not look that spectacular from the outside, the real magic lies as you follow the twisting wooden docks inside. Welcome to Neri Lagoon. about two years ago. Coming from the dry chaparral region of Southern California, I was only vaguely sure of what a lagoon was, much less had I ever stepped foot in one. Wow, I thought when I first stepped in. Ducks. Cool. I was more enthralled by the scenery than the quote-unquote wildlife. I didn't realize what I was missing because I didn't know what to look for. If I'm supposed to properly communicate the majesty of Neary Lagoon and its birds, I think it's only fair if I start with my own journey. I wish I could tell you why I was afraid of birds. A part of me is sure that it had something to do with my older sister. Part of me thinks it's the Neanderthal in me, fearing of being hunted by a giant raptor. As far as I can remember, I've always been petrified of them. One of my earliest home videos is my mother holding me at the San Diego Zoo, and I'm screaming and crying as she tries to get me to touch a parakeet. If there's a flock of pigeons, I will cross the street to avoid them. At one point, I was almost scared of eating on the beach because I knew the seagulls would come. My dad, on the other hand, loves birds. He always wanted a pet bird, but hated the idea of bird cages. He loved to walk near the small library pond near our house and watch the ducks swim. I made the mistake of joining him one time, and he had to cut his trip short because I couldn't stand the ducks coming up and walking near us. Mallards are probably the most commonly recognized aquatic birds. Males have a green head, brown chest, yellow bill, and white collar. 
Females are mottled brown and white, and they have a brown stripe of feathers through their eye. Both sexes have a purple stripe on their wings. They're extremely common because they can survive in most wetland areas, whether that be a sanctuary like Neri Lagoon or in a city park. They are generally very docile and tame, and you can often find them foraging in groups. Like many others, I really wasn't sure of the gravity of COVID when it hit. I thought I'd just be staying at my parents' house for an extended break. But those two weeks turned into three, into five, into two months, into four months. My parents' home in Southern California did not have much wildlife, save for the rare coyote that would get pet owners up in arms on next door. What we did have was a bird feeder. My dad had decided that when I was gone, he would finally indulge in his bird-loving habit and put a giant bird feeder in the backyard. Between moping and feeling sorry for myself, I would sit out in the backyard to try to get some fresh air. I saw these tiny birds hopping under the feeder. Cute. They were far enough away for me not to be scared. Whether I then realized that this was the most wildlife I'd be getting for a while, or if the boredom had finally gotten to me, I decided to try and see what these birds were. Small. I knew that. Sparrow? I'd heard that name before. It took me three days to finally identify a white-crowned sparrow. After that, there was no turning back. I didn't actively search out for birds, but I was always aware when I saw a new bird among the sparrows. I'd think, weird. Then I'd see if I could find out what it was. Soon I could identify the call and the look of white-crowned sparrows, spotted towhees, scrub jays, morning doves, house finches, California quails. Before long, I realized what I thought was a subpar replacement for the wildlife I'd gotten used to in Santa Cruz was actually a little hidden secret of its own. With the smaller birds, I started to notice more raptors coming. Cooper's hawks, great horned owls. All to sit and wait watchfully in the giant pine behind our house. I saw families of quail chicks grow up. I saw migrations of Casson's kingbirds, western tanagers, and woodpeckers all come and go to my backyard all thanks to my dad's bird feeder. These squeaky toy-like sounding birds are often mistaken for ducks, but they are actually American coots. Much smaller than your typical mallard, American coots are typically all black save for their white bills and forehead and red eyes. They have yellowy-green feet that almost look skeletal in nature, but what they lack in color, they make up for in aggression. Coots are vicious little fighters, and you'll often see them fighting or chasing away another coot. Coots are also known to participate in something called brood parasitism. This happens when a female coot lays her eggs in another coot's nest, hoping that she won't have to take care of her child, but will still reap all the benefits of passing down her genes in her offspring. They often dive to feed, and can be found in most saltwater marshes, city ponds, or sewage treatment ponds. Coming back to Santa Cruz, I felt like I was seeing a whole different world. I no longer crossed the street when I saw pigeons. Instead, I wondered why they were all a wide variety of colors. My final test came when I was scheduled to do some sea lion work on Año Nuevo Island. It's touted as the largest and most diverse breeding colony of seabirds in the Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary. Yikes. This was my Everest. Surprisingly, it was not that bad. 
On paper, it sounds terrifying. Protective, aggressive nesting in cormorants and seagulls, most coming up to around my calf or knee height. Just as I had done before, I forced my fight-or-flight response to take a back seat and let my curiosity take the reins. And that brings us to Neri. A pie-billed grebe is a perfect and rare ornament for a still morning on the lagoon. Heading further down in size, the pie-billed grebe is still smaller than the American coot and quite chunky in comparison, with virtually no tail. They are brown with either a brown or white bill, depending on the grebe's breeding cycle. They can actually control how buoyant they are, and will even catch fish by slowly submerging themselves. Grebes prefer to occupy small, quiet ponds, so seeing them is a bit of a treat. I returned to Neri with new eyes and a new appreciation. I was rewarded with more life and vibrancy than I ever could have imagined. Yes, the mallards were still there, but creeping near the tule would be a lone wood duck or two. Painted like an artist who had just been given his palette back, they were decorated with purples, oranges, greens, blues, whites, blacks. They were a rainbow on their own. They're a real treat to see because they aren't as bold as the mallards, and often all that alerts you to their presence is a faint wheeze on the wind. If you're lucky enough, you'll see a pie-billed grebe. Again, another quiet and solitary bird, and as Aldo Leopold said, he tolerates no truck with human intruders. They don't really seem that special, until you catch a glimpse of their chick, with a face that looks like it was designed by M.C. Escher. To me, Neri Lagoon represents something so much more than just a wildlife sanctuary. It is a physical emblem of my journey and maturation as a naturalist and a scientist. Neri is constant proof that I have the power to change how I understand and interact with the world. I just had to have my eyes opened before I could see all the life. Belted kingfisher might be the most striking bird on this list. They have a sharp, rattling call and a mohawk-looking collection of feathers on their head to back it up. Belted kingfishers are blue-gray with a white chest and collar. You can often find them watching down from a branch of the lagoon, searching for their next fishy meal. <laughs> At the end of March, I decided to move into the sweet little blue house on the west side of Santa Cruz. 
I was immediately attracted to the house because of the backyard and all of the space. There were neighborhood cats roaming around. My backyard is one of my favorite places to be. Now the soil was really rocky and hard, very clay-like. And I was very alone for the majority of my time here. But in the springtime, I decided to start planting some radishes. In late June, my partner, who was not living with me at the time, started growing corn in seed trays and eventually he moved them to his roof and every day I would walk a couple blocks down and we would water the corn together on the roof. Eventually um, he moved here and we brought the corn from the roof to this yard. We used soil amendments compost, uh, did a lot of raking, and we transplanted the corn into our yard. We also planted zucchini next to the corn in order to provide shade for the soil um, so that the corn would be able to retain the water and it wouldn't just evaporate spent a lot of the summer just watering the corn and the zucchini. In late October, I was able to harvest a lot of zucchini and a decent amount of corn, but some is actually still growing. Um, I started to notice that we had a persimmon tree and a guava tree and a grapefruit tree in the yard the guavas and persimmons recently became ripe and started falling. My friends and I worked together to build a coop in the yard and we found an ad on Craigslist and drove to this woman's farm and picked up Patty and Henrietta, our two chickens. Uh, they lived for about a month uh, initially in our garage when they were babies and we moved them outside into the coop as they got older but somewhere around the CZU fire complex fires um, they were eaten there were bloody feathers strewn across the yard one day and they were gone but a couple weeks ago actually I got two more chickens, and two days ago, they laid their first eggs, which has been really exciting. We have two eggs so far, um, hoping for some more today and the rest of the days to come. I have two cats of my own, Shadow, a black cat, about two years old, and Lucy is about six months She's small, she has one eye, call her one-eyed Lucy, and they roam the yard all day.
they hang out with the chickens. Everyone gets along and it's, it's very beautiful. I'm very grateful to be here. I'm Rozzy, I'm an EEB at UC Santa Cruz, and I'm recording this remotely from San Francisco. My spot has quite a lot going on. There's a skateboard park and a children's playground and an elementary school and a big dog park with picnic tables. On an average day, pre-COVID, there would be people having birthday parties with like pinatas and bouncy houses and big families in the picnic table area, and people walking their dogs and a bunch of skaters hanging out skateboarding. and ice cream carts on sunny days with like the bells on them and once like the elementary school got out you'd see a bunch of kids running to buy ice cream um, so yeah there's a lot going on it's a super beautiful park it's like two blocks from my house so i've been going there my whole life um, and it's a pretty large park it's like the size of three football fields so it's a big congregation of um, the area i've lived in my whole Going there once a week has been pretty awesome, especially right now because of COVID and the elections and all the other crazy stuff going on in the world. It's nice to have a little area to take a break from everything and just relax and kind of ground yourself and be able to like watch other people enjoying themselves and maybe helping to make things feel a little more normal right now. It's located in the Mission District of San Francisco and sitting there the last month it's gotten me to reminisce a lot about the past 20 years of my life living here and going to this park and all the different experiences in which i kind of want to share with this episode i know there are other people that are going to be talking about like the species in the area and the natural history of that area but like i said my sit spot is in the middle of san francisco and it's in between a big highway and it's on-ramp, so there's not a ton I could say about its natural history. And I don't know how many native species there are, um, but it's still a really beautiful spot. And I'm just going to share some experiences I've had that I recorded at this sit spot. So yeah, enjoy. So I used to skateboard when I was in elementary school. Um, and I didn't know like a ton of like really cool tricks, obviously I was pretty young and there were kids my age that were better than me. And so I, but it was fun. And I used to go there with my brother and he did, he was, he's, he still is, but he was like a big artist and did like graffiti stuff. And I was like in elementary school, just like following him around and on, while he was on his skateboard he was way better. And I just like went slowly and did do any like the ollies or whatever. <laughs> the tricks are called that he did but um like skating is pretty big uh, in san francisco and pretty much everywhere but there's like a big skating scene here and uh, um and uh i've been trying to get back into it but i remember when i was you know in like elementary school i used to go to the go to the sit spot the skateboard park at the sit spot and just go back and forth because I didn't know any of the tricks, so I couldn't like go on any of the ramps or like uh, different like uh, bowls or grind spots or whatever. That's at this uh, park, so I just used to go back and forth on the flat part. And I always think it's really funny because I was like a little elementary schooler and there were like 20 year olds skating and going like super fast because there's like a ramp 
where the flat part is, there's like a ramp and then a bowl and uh, like some other weird things that they have at skate parks. And uh, they would go really fast right where I was going back and forth on the flat spot and I didn't really care. And then a couple times they almost hit me, but none of them like got mad or anything. But I always think that that's like a really um, funny picture that like I would be like going really slowly back and forth while these like really you know extreme skater dudes were like going super fast right in front of me like trying to avoid hitting a little kid. But I was there on a sunny day before Thanksgiving um, and my cousins live like a block away from me so we used to go to that park a lot and I was with my uncle and cousin and we were playing hide-and-go-seek there and we were um, I think I was like hiding in the trees and you could hear the birds and like the the trees you know rustling and I remember um, I think my cousin was trying to find me. My uncle was hidden somewhere else. And this kid comes up to me and uh, asked if he could play with us. And so I told him we were playing hide and go seek and told him to go hide. And uh, once, the, uh, once we started the next game, he played with us. And we had a good time for like two or three hours before like, all the Thanksgiving food was ready. And then we left and I we left and went to go have our like Thanksgiving dinner and I didn't see that kid for like probably like three years or something and then in uh, in eighth grade I remember going back to that park and we, we go to that park a lot but I remember one day I was there and I think I was just with my cousin um, like watching the skateboarders and stuff and like reading I think um, and I remember recognizing him, you know, we were both like older and bigger and looked a little bit different, but we recognized each other and we, uh, there's also like a basketball court um, a block away from that park and like a tennis court and stuff. And he had a basketball, so we went to go play basketball. And uh, it was just really cool that like, um, like thinking back on it now that like, just like the random, like friends you can make or like um, I don't know occurrences where like you meet somebody you don't see them for a while and then you see them again and you're like able to recognize them even though you've only known them for like a couple hours a couple years ago and then you make a friendship and um, we're not in like we're not like best friends today but it's still really cool that like we're still keep in touch and all that stuff so yeah that's just one story from my sit spot.